This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I am sitting in the fancy Feral Audio Studios with an amazingly talented and devastatingly <laughs> handsome man, uh, Jeff B. Davis. Wow, we, we got off on the right foot. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, did, was that an okay introduction? Fantastic. You, you have the most dulcet radio voice. It's pr- <laughs> I think it's only when I'm recording podcasts. I but, think as soon as I get off the podcast, I'm a screechy little monster. Yeah, but you, you've, you got, I've got the headphones on and you sound like... I want to listen to like a R and B album by you. <laughs> a little spoken word R and B. And now it's time for the sex. Let's get it on. <laughs> Are you in the general mood? Good. It's sort of a <laughs> yeah. when you've got that feeling, let's make sexual healing. <laughs> it's very public radio sexuality that I have going, I think. <laughs> Which is in its own way quite sexy. <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I've been starting the podcast lately by taking a question from a listener about an obsession they have and then just trying to get an answer for their question about their obsession. Okay. Uh, from me and the guests. So are you up for that? Absolutely. Uh, this question comes from Julia Bradford, and she asks, uh, My name is Julia, and I'm obsessed with podcasts. Is there a way to get paid to just listen to podcasts without doing any other work like creating or reviewing? Change your name to Dustin Marshall. <laughs> just become a producer yeah. of podcasts? I, mean, I think Dustin Marshall has made a career out of just being a, a guy that was obsessed with podcasts. Right, Dustin? it is in fact one of the episodes of this podcast well i mean julia if your obsession keeps you from being active in pursuing that in a way like like as dustin just said if you're obsessed about that then maybe you have a good ear for that i think like people that were obsessed with music became great music producers there are people that loved the music they loved were sad that they didn't hear as much as they could and were so obsessed that they risked everything and started making their own stuff. I mean, yeah. Um, let's start the Julia Bradford Network, <laughs> so she could produce podcasts, so they can fight tooth and nail with Feral Audio, and we'll <laughs> see which one wins. <laughs> My only other idea of how you could possibly make money just by listening is if there was uh, podcasts got to a level of popularity that you could be like a taster, like royalty used to have Ooh, like food yeah. tasters. Well, there's also that like for fashion, there's uh, fashion bloggers. Oh, right. There's people that like fashion so much that they just go from store to store and look at stuff, take pictures of it. Some bloggers are so well attended on social media that fashions like lines and stores pay them a bunch of money to come into their store. Yeah put a bag on their shoulder, take a photo, and then they give them a bunch of free stuff. Oh, so she could just go around and have like her little earbud and say, I'm listening to this. If she, uh, if she was such a, val- if Julia, if you become such a valuable arbiter of what is good about podcasts, what is bad about podcasts, that you're maybe, this is a terrible pitch because blogs are stupid. <laughs> but if you, maybe like you become like the Siskel and Ebert of podcasts and you become so <laughs> valuable, like you're Walter Winchell, like you can make or break a Broadway play. Right. And then podcasts will covet your interest and they go, oh, they'll send you, I don't know, blind date with Joseph Scrimshaw. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure my wife would be down with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's the great answer that Julia should become a sort of mecha combination of Walter Winchell, uh, Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. I, I think because this is more radio, well, it is. <laughs> uh, like the Walter Winchell things, like he could make careers right. or destroy careers. Oh, yeah. So Julia should just get mad with power. Mad, mad with power, but like get paid like payola. Like uh, Julia, if you haven't seen this film, it's called The Sweet Smell of Success <laughs> with Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. And it's about the corruption of the columnist. It's kind of based on a Walter Winchell-esque type person. Yeah. And there's all sorts of pay involved if you can corrupt the industry. Oh, perfect. So destroy it from the inside is the best way to make money. Exactly. I think that's great. Uh, Can you tell people listening just a little bit who might not know you, uh, those unlucky people, who you are and what you do? I do a lot of soft core porn (laughs) under the name Jeff B. Davis. Uh, Now, sadly, I do uh, failed TV shows and improv. I do a show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? I do a podcast called Harmontown with Dan Harmon, also on the Feral Audio Network, and uh, other things involved with that. Awesome. And your obsession today is suits. It is suits. You do a lot of the things you do in life in suits, right? Al- almost completely. I'm, I, I neglect to say, or I'm sad to say, that I am not wearing a suit now. Normally when I do podcasts, I wear a suit. Yeah. Even though there's no audience except <laughs> the person I'm podcasting yeah. with. 
but today's been a busy one, and I had to kind of run around. I understand. I considered putting a suit on, and then I thought, what a fool I'll look like if I show up to interview you about suits, and I'm wearing a suit, and then you're not, and I'll look like an idiot. No, that would be the best, because that would make me proud of you. I mean, I'm already proud of you as a human being. Like tonight, I will be certainly wearing a suit. Okay, you have a show tonight, or are you no, I'm just go- I'm around? going to go see this Nick Cave thing at the Egyptian. Okay, okay. And uh, I don't even—I barely know Nick Cave. My girlfriend's a giant Nick Cave fan, okay. so we're going to go dig that. But yeah, normally I'm in a suit if I can be. Okay. So I wanna—I wanna go back to the beginnings. Do you know the first time you wore a suit? Do you remember the first time saying like, "Yes, this is how I want to live." My earliest childhood memory is actually like when you start storing visual memory. Yeah. I would say is around. Well, I have three-year-old memories where I wasn't in a suit because I was okay. three. <laughs> But I remember being four in a suit. And oh, I remember, really? I remember yeah, I lived in Orange County in Tustin, California, and it was the 70s. So it would have been 77, 78. And uh, when we would go out to dinner, my mother, my father, my brother, and I, my, my father always in a suit. Okay. Because they're old school. They were 40 and 41 when they had me. Oh, okay. My so mother al- always in a dress when we went out. And it could be, you know, a chain restaurant like Black Angus or a fancy restaurant or it could be whatever. When you went out to dinner, suit. Okay. My father driving the Lincoln Continental with his elbow out the window, one finger on the wheel, <laughs> and a vodka martini rocks on the console. Of the car? Yeah. In a cigarette in the drinking hand? N- neither parent smoked. Okay. But they did drink, but they never got drunk. Oh, nice. They, they didn't skull down drinks. They weren't alcoholics. Yeah. They were just like old school Sinatra, Rat Packy. Yeah. Kind of like they knew Sinatra. They knew Sammy Davis Jr. They would go to their parties. My mother, before she met my father, dated Bill Miller, who was Sinatra's piano player oh, for, for he, many, many years. I know. Yes. Yeah. He gets he, called he, out on Sinatra at the Sands oh, yeah. quite a bit. Oh, yeah. oh, Sinatra at the Sands, best live record in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Huge Sinatra fan. Oh, Justin. Yeah, that's now I, insane. Now I'm going to make out with you later on. <laughs> um, Bill Miller, like, you know, when you hear one for my baby, one for the road, yeah. that's Bill Miller. Yes. And we grew up in this, it was the 70s. Like, my parents were had were previously married before they had us, like, before, okay. before they, met, they met each other. So I have um, half-siblings from their first marriages. Okay. Who are in the weed-smoking generation. You know, because they, like, they were, like, 60s kids. Okay. And in, in uh, early 70s, teenagers and stuff. For us, my brother and I, we went out. My parents would have a cocktail in the car. My mom would have like a seven and seven or something. Okay. And that's how you went out. They never got in a car wreck. They never got a ticket. Right. But I remember being four years old, standing in the mirror in my little bedroom with my Battlestar Galactica, my Legos, <laughs> and my Star Wars toys. Because again, this is 77, 78. Okay, yeah. So Star you're Wars, surrounded. Star Wars was in theaters. Yes. And that's all I cared about was Star Wars ac- action figures and Legos. And I had these terrible plaid polyester suits, like red, white, and blue plaid with clip-on ties. I remember putting suits on and looking in the mirror like, well, this is a bummer. This sucks. Right, because it had just been the bicentennial, right? So everything was- <laughs> It had been. Well, well done. <laughs> Patriotic. It was a year. At, I, I'm almost certain that's why we got a deal on my red, white, and blue, blue plaid suit. <laughs> Nobody loved America enough last year, so it's on remainder. Oh, exactly. And my, my parents quite patriotic, so- I remember being bummed out about that, and then I went to a Lutheran school, and so we would go to Sunday school, always a suit, but dinner, always a suit, a party, always a suit. My parents would throw these swanky, groovy parties, fondue, and all the guys had suits on, and great, like, 70s suits, and, like, Marlboro Man mustaches, and the women all had great cigar tip, you know, the filters, like the the holders, you know? Yeah. Like, your Audrey Hepburn. And they smoked, and they, everybody was groovy and named Phyllis and <laughs> Bruce. And it was really, really good. The men's and, name were hard, and the women's names were soft. Yeah, you know? or yeah. Phyllis was the hardest one of the party. <laughs> I remember being like five or six, and Phyllis was smoking and stirring the Bernays sauce for the, fun, for the steak fondue. And, I, and she was just looked so pissed off that she had to stir anything yeah. at our house. And I said, Phyllis, nice to see you working hard. She goes, it's the only exercise I get, Jeff. <laughs> so these were these parties. Right. So suits were built into my life. And right. Then it, the, you leave the house. Your high school, I never wore a suit in high school. And did you dislike them when you were a kid or just accept them as a part of reality? I disliked them both. I disliked them because they were in, an enforced part of reality. Right. It seemed arbitrary. It seemed, as a kid, you want to go run and play, climb a tree. 
Yeah. You know, like get dirty. You don't want to be throttled by the clothes you're wearing, which exactly. is what it feels like when you're a kid. And the suit seems fascistic and yeah. seems uh, constrictive. And it was as a child. But again, that was the world that I grew up in. Yeah. There was no rock and roll in my house. We only listened to jazz okay. and standards. It was Sinatra and it was, you know, Berlin and Irving Berlin and Afro-Cuban jazz and whatnot. Yeah. There was no Beatles. I had to uh, discover that on my own when I was like 15. Okay. And throughout junior high, high school, uh, and early college, would never wear a suit. I, I think here's the here's the origin story, if, if, if that's part of what you asked. Yeah. I was on in The King and I with Yul Brynner. Okay. Which I've told on every podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> we were on in Los Angeles at the Pantages Theater, and it was Yul Brynner's 5,000th performance party. And it was a big deal. Okay. And the, Not the, exaggeration, 5,000th. His 5,000th performance party, and he'd never missed one. Wow. He never called in sick. This is over a span of, I don't know, 30, 35 years yeah. since the movie. But he had done it on tour you know, throughout the years. This would end up being the final production touring company okay. of The King and I, and then we would go on to Broadway. In L.A., he was dying of cancer. It was probably going to end, but his 5,000th performance party, Larry Hagman was there, okay. and uh, everybody in Broadway was there. Okay. Rita Moreno. Okay. And I, I, I made her do the, the yell from Electric Company, <laughs> the hey, you guys yell. Uh, she, did, she had no idea how I knew who she was. My mother took me to a tuxedo store. Because you had to wear a tux to this. Yeah. And she let me pick out my own tux. I'm nine years old. Oh, wow. And I went in and I picked mine out and it was champagne colored. And the, the fellow at the store said, well, that's usually for weddings. That's more of a wedding color. I go, right. yeah, but I don't want to wear black because everyone's wearing black. I remember this vividly. Everyone's going to wear black. White is too much. Yeah. I'm a kid. You get, that's going to get dirty. <laughs> like, no one's going to be wearing this gold champagne one. Yeah. And they're like, all right. So I wore the champagne. I, that, that was my tuxedo. And we had we bought that one and had it for a couple of years. And of course, you know, you're growing, so that goes away. Yeah. I think that was the first time I realized that I had a taste in suits. Yeah. And like, was it the sort of uh, uh, the choose your own adventureness of it, the power of it, that you got to have a say over yeah. what you were wearing? If I'm going to be forced, if, if I'm going to live in a world where I'm around gentlemen, right. where men like look like Cary Grant... My father always was in a beautiful, nice suit. Mm -hmm. We weren't wealthy. You know, we were like middle class, maybe at, at the point, upper middle class. That all went away. We, we lost all our money so, at, at some point. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I grew up around people that looked great. Yeah. As a little kid, you hate it. At nine, I thought, well, if you can't beat them, join them. But then I realized I had opinions about it. Yeah. Then that was the, the beginning. Like, that was the first time... You know, Spider-Man makes his own Spidey suit. Okay. And now you, you just know what works for you. Correct. Now, as I say, th then my mom passed away. I didn't want to be an actor anymore. I went through high school, college, never wore a suit. When I graduated college, maybe I was like 20, just 20, I was broke. Okay. Went to a vintage clothing store in Long Beach, and I found this beautiful, mod, charcoal gray suit that fit me like it was built for me. Like tall and thin, no muscles, you know, just very pigeon chested, but beautiful. Yeah. So Spidey physique, Spider-Man physique. Exactly. It fit me like a glove. And I wore that suit wherever I went. And I auditioned for Whose Line Is It Anyway for three and a half years. Over three and a half years, five auditions. I always dressed up like people dress up for auditions. Like the, back in the 90s or early 2000s, khaki pants and that blue shirt. That yeah, just wore. the improv outfit of like, yeah. I'm loose, I can move. Yeah, I, I, I have chinos and that one kind of cobalty blue shirt that every <laughs> fucking guy wore. <laughs> it looks warm, but neutral. So yeah. like, you, you tried to play a ball, but I never felt comfortable in that. On the final audition, I was never going to go to that one. I was talked into going to that one. I wore the charcoal gray suit. And yeah. Even though it was 95 degrees in LA, it was roasting. Yeah. And I was sweating, like just like a hog. And I, But I wore that suit. I got the job because of that suit. They looked at me and saw me in the suit, and they go, oh, he dresses different than the other tall, thin, white dudes in the show. Yeah. So do you think it just made you memorable, so you stuck out, or do you think your actual performance changed because you felt different in the suit? Both. I felt more comfortable in it because that, that's the suit that I would wear on a date. Okay. If I was going on a first date, that was the suit. If I was going on, on any date, like, I only had that one suit. I had dressed like an idiot or dressed like my dad. 
Okay. And like I'm, I, I could have rolled with you know like Peter Lawford and could have been a part of the Rat Pack. It was this beautiful '60s vintage suit that I felt so cozy in, like a bathrobe. Yeah. Like a bathtub, like it felt like a bubble bath on me. Yeah, so I think a good suit feels like cozy, but it also makes you feel uh, sharper and taller, at least me. Does it make you feel like sharper and taller and more on point? Men are, the reason why suits are built is they make any body shape of man look good if you get the suit cut for you. Yeah. In the same way, like an, any guy in a kilt, if you're, if you're from Scotland, or if you're not from Scotland, and you go to a Scottish wedding, you put a kilt on, I don't care what your legs look like, what your chest is like, how big a gut or how little you weigh yeah you look hot in a kilt that's why it's there right suits are designed tailors are there for a reason people ask me all the time jeff where should i get my suit this happens weekly yeah strangers friends go get it whatever suit you can afford banana republic a vintage suit a crappy suit whatever take it to a tailor thirty dollars cut it up make it yours it looks like it's dolce and gabbana it looks great do women look great in a nice dress and heels? Do women wear makeup and spend a fortune on it? Yes, they do. Yeah. Should they? Not necessarily, but if it suits them, yes. Yeah, absolutely. But women make an effort all the time, and men simply do not. No, I think sometimes we get pressure not to. Who pressures you not to make an effort? Uh, well, I think just generally, like, the man, you know, who doesn't really give, give a damn, just whatever, man. I think I have personal baggage about this right now because I really like suits. I, you know, a big fan of that. You own Sinatra a suit. Era. I have one nice suit. There you are. You're and, you're ahead of the game already. But I I look for excuses to wear it, and I would love to wear it more in general in life, and I would love to wear it more in performance settings. Describe the suit for me. It is a, a three piece, so it's got a nice little vest. Nice. It is. Almost black because that's a, a a thing I do is I almost always wear black. Is it like a charcoal gray or is it? it is, a... No, not charcoal gray. What's the next level of? I mean, is in it, between that and black. Is it really? Like you're wearing black right now. Yeah. Is it is it grayer tone than that? Yeah, it's slightly grayer. That's good. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's not like flat black. It feels lively and it's got very a, very subtle lines. In b- it. Black suits are limiting. They're they're fu- okay. they're funereal or you're a magician. <laughs> I do not look like a, a magic person at a funeral. I'm good. I'm a, a magic person. Yeah, black. Uh, black is a little it, like little too much. Yeah, but it like uh, the way the vest uh, fits me. It, I feel like it makes the tie pop in a good way. Like like I'm leading leading from my sternum. The fact that you know that a tie can pop. <laughs> you're see, we're on the same team here. Yeah. So I really like being presentational. I like you know making a statement with yourself. I feel like there's a lot of performances. Uh, performance areas where it's hard to be presentational because people want you to be yourself. So even though sometimes I feel like a suit is myself, it feels like like you're 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 trying to be too highfalutin. Well, that's how I felt. How old are you? Uh, I I'm over twenty five and in Hollywood, so I don't say it out loud. Okay. So like when I was in my early twenties, I felt like I can't just wear this to everything. Yeah. I was broke. I was going on commercial auditions, and I was lucky enough to have a really good commercial agent. Okay. And they would say, Oh, you're. you're Jeff, you're going. You're going in as the forty-year-old lumberjack. I'm like, I don't have. First of all, <laughs> screw you. This is wrong yeah. in every every possible. But the, but the casting director knows me, so they want me to come in. Right. Eventually, after years of trying to play the part and trying to dress up as they wanted you. Yeah. And let's say you're not in commercials. Let's say this is just you going in for job auditions or, or, or in interviews of any kind. Yeah. Or going on any date or just walking down the street. Yeah. We all feel like we have to play some part and try to fit in maybe mm-hmm. or try to be ourselves in air quotes, whatever the fuck that is. At some point, you really do have to find out what your style is. And if your style, like Dan Harmon's style, Dan Harmon should not wear a suit all the time. That would be ill-fitting clothes on Right. Him. He would feel uncomfortable and it would show. Like, we want Dan Harmon to dress like he does. We want Spencer Crittenden on, on Harmon Town to like dress like the Dungeon Master. Yeah. It would be weird if he just started wearing coat and tails and a top hat all the time. <laughs> We, we do have to find out what our style identity is. And this is not about vanity, and it's not about clothing or fashion or anything. It's simply about finding out who you are. There's a great book. There's two great books written by Quentin Crisp. I don't know if you know him. I think they're out of print. One's called How to Have a Lifestyle, and one is called Doing It with Style. Okay. And it's simply about the fact that fashion, or style rather, your personal style is not about money, sex, fashion, clothing, like like anything. Yeah. It's simply about self-knowledge. Okay. There was a moment when I felt like, am I allowed to wear the thing I always feel good in? Yeah, exactly. Because almost like I want to wear it to sleep. 
And the beauty of pajamas is their suits. They have little <laughs> they lapels. Have little and sometimes a pocket, a monogram. Like, like, like they're... I'm here to do some sleep business. <laughs> yes. I'm here to be the sexiest guy that's unconscious. <laughs> uh, for me, there was a, a, an awakening where I found out that I'm so comfortable in this that I feel like the world will, will be more comfortable too. Right. You, you were saying about that you, that you might want to wear that suit. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the thing that I am wrestling with in general with the just be yourself. It's like, I totally agree with that. You know, things like Dan Harmon is not at home in a suit. Yeah, great. That makes sense to me. But then I, I see those places where, like, it's fine if I'm myself and I'm comfortable, but there's still a possibility that the people in that space don't want that in that, that space. People in that space, meaning your audience? Yeah. Or, or the people walking down the street? Yeah. Anybody, anybody watching you do anything? <laughs> people want to. People want you to be you at full throttle. Yeah. Quentin Crisp was asked, "What is style?" And he said, "Style is being yourself, except on purpose." Mm. And That's great. It really is knowing what you are and then committing to it uh, with ferocity, like like knowing what it is. What I'm wearing right now, I'm wearing this V-neck, yeah, Fred Perry sweatshirt, a sweater rather, and skinny blue jeans. Yeah. If I'm not wearing this, I'm wearing a suit. I don't wear anything else. Maybe, maybe a weird other thing. I don't even know what else to wear anymore. In some fitted pajamas. I think it's. I think it's okay to have a uniform. Okay. Also, you're thin. Yes, I'm relatively thin, and I do generally have a uniform. I wear these red chucks, and I wear all black. Yeah. Often a t-shirt with a geek logo on it. I I have nice shoes, or I have Converse. Yeah. There's nothing else. I I have I have dress shoes and Converse. That's all. I forget who said it. There's a great fashion quote by someone, and I forget if he's French or English, but it's from, from many, many years ago. And someone asked him, what do you need to do to be well-dressed or to appear well-dressed? Yeah. And he said, first, be tall and thin. <laughs> well, I got one of those. <laughs> so I'm halfway there. Suits are designed to make us all look sexy. But yeah. one, one day I finally, I just committed and said, I'm going to wear suits all the time. I went out, when I was going swing dancing, back when swing dancing was still almost just nerdy and not totally lame. Okay, so this is like late 90s yeah, Swingers but, era? Right before the movie Swingers came out. Okay. I wore like Mr. California, like kind of almost like bowling shirts and like 60s slacks. Yeah. I, I was broke as shit, so I only could afford cheap vintage clothes. Um, that's what I wore. Then I started wearing a suit, and then people would say to me every time, because they never saw me in a suit. Yeah. Then I would, I, I would get yelled at, suit guy! Oh, that's suit guy! <laughs> And then people would ask me, why do you always wear a suit? Why do you always wear a suit? And I had a bunch of answers like, why don't you always wear a suit? Or yeah. I'd say, because it's Saturday night. They go, yeah, but it's Wednesday night. And I go, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, why do you wear a suit? Because I like wearing a suit. Or, yeah. or because everything else was, was at the laundry. You know, like you just, I just had a bunch of answers. I wore them so long that now if I don't wear a suit, people will say, why aren't you wearing a suit? Yeah, is, is something wrong? Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this right now, find the article. I forget what publication it was online. Bill Nighy, the actor. There's a great, great, great interview about why he only wears navy blue suits. Not just he wears navy blue suits when he wears a suit. He, he only, only wears, wears navy, navy blue, blue suits. suits. Yeah, because and just... how like Judy Dench or actresses, what he has to wear a costume with which in a movie which is not a navy blue suit, their reactions to it. But his answers to the questions of why do you dress the way you do? Yeah, are some of the most gorgeous answers. Now maybe he is a little more obsessed than I am about it. Okay, I think he certainly is because he's really committed to one exact. Thing. Yeah, I mean, he's just a human cartoon. He has yeah, but a f- closet of one thing. Please find that article because it's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, now, I wanted to ask you, going off this conversation, um, is there anywhere that you wouldn't wear a suit? like it, In the pool? In the pool. So in- just only practical concerns. Like, there's no social thing. You feel like any social thing, no matter what, you can roll. Like, if it's oh. a kid's birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, you can roll in looking like the sharpest motherfucker there. You are, you are never punished for being overdressed. Okay. Ever. You will be punished for being underdressed. Okay. If you come into a suit, uh, come into a party in a suit that where nobody else is wearing a suit, you might get like, oh, wh- like where'd you come from? A funeral or the court or like wh- what yeah. happened? And you go, no, this is just how I dress. And then that's the end of the conversation. <laughs> Give me a cocktail and shut up. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in always be overdressed. You're never punished for it. Okay. If I had my way, I would have a closet the size of this feral audio booth with a rotating like dry cleaner <laughs> rack. Of a million suits, a million different colors, a million different weights right. for the different weather. Then you're the great Gatsby. It's a bummer. Um, if you're a guy, uh, we, we'll, we'll get to women because I can't really speak to women's fashion because that's a whole other thing. Yeah. If you're a guy, 
Have a charcoal gray suit and have a great navy blue suit. It can be a cheap suit. Get it tailored. Have nice shoes. Yeah. Wear them as much as possible and have them taken care of because you can't wear them forever yeah. unless, unless you have them dry clean. Okay, so it is clear that you love good suits, sharp suits. A cheap suit can look great, but it won't last you as long as you'd like. Okay, so it'll fall apart, but it's not as... If somebody came to you and said, you, you have no, no other clothes and you can either wear a T-shirt in like ratty jeans or this very badly cut suit, this very out-of-fashion suit. T-shirt and jeans. T-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. So like a very badly cut, out-of-style, not-complimentary suit no. is more offensive to you than anything. Um, if you look bad in a suit, you look like you're a hobo. Okay. <laughs> you have to be you have to be well suited. It has to suit you. Like right. it really is. Like the the idea of the suit is the same way that when women go out and they size themselves and I know what I look good in. Mm-hmm. I don't look good in this neckline. I don't look good in this color. Right. I like I I know I I can't wear bangs. Guys don't have to deal with all of that stuff because all of that is in a suit, right? Like everything that women deal with always is pretty much boiled down to. All like, of that applies to suits. Watch, uh, watch Double Indemnity. Fred McMurray, tall and thin. Yep. He's got he's got big shoulders, but he's still on on the tall and thin side. He looks great. Then, um, oh, Joy, just, yeah, my, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, Edward, Eddie G. Walks in. He <laughs> he's not sexy. He's not a sexy man. No. Edward G. Robinson's never no. been sexy, except he is. Why? He looks great. He looks great in his suit. Because he's wearing a great suit. And also, he is wearing a cheap suit because he's just an insurance claims adjuster. Yeah. But it's a it's a good suit. Because it's the movies. Yeah. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Barbara Stanwyck walks down the stairs, and in the movie, he looks at her ankle. Okay. And says, that's a honey of an anklet. In the book, he's looking at her tits. But they can't do that in the movie. <laughs> but she wore the anklet and the dress and the shoes, and Fred McMurray had, Fred McMurray had the hat and the suit. And they're, they're, they're the same thing. Yeah. The, they serve the same purpose. Yeah, then we can get into hat making because then the hat's the whole other thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely from that era. Um, so I, I know that you are very aware of how a suit is cut and uh, technically like the style of the day. So what do you think is more important? Because we also talked about just how the suit makes you feel. So if you saw somebody who was in a technically bad suit that was like out of date, that was breaking current style rules, but they were like, I feel really comfortable in this what so is the, to you crappy suit. If they look, if they wear it and and feel like that's their thing, hooray. Yeah. If a guy walks down the street in a 70s leisure suit that is way polyester and <laughs> the lapels are o- over the edge of the shoulder and and he's walking tall? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if he's doing it and he's faking it, yeah, we'll, we'll all be able to tell. Cuz that's that's trick or treat. Yeah. If you walk down in a canary yellow uh, like zoot suit from the 40s, yeah. you're going to look like a turkey. Okay. Uh, you don't want to do that. F- again, style, fashion, fads have nothing to do with it. It's simply what you're comfortable in. Right. Now, I'm not saying that every guy must wear suits. Certainly not. If everybody did, I would stop wearing suits. I like the fact that it's a little rarefied. Okay. So if you were actually back in the era that your father came from, when he was a young man, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be as into suits because that was just the uniform of the day, and now it's more of an individual expression. I think I would be into... I, that's a good question. I really, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have... There's certain stylists back in the day that, like, during the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, when style was really badass for men and women, Yeah, there, there was the regular suit that everybody wore, and that was the guy walking down the street, the banker, the club owner. Yeah. But then there's Billy Eckstein, who's a black uh, jazz singer. Yeah, yeah. Look, look up him on Google. Uh, he's amazing. Um, yeah, almost uh, almost pushed Sinatra off the charts yeah. with singles. That yeah. guy, that guy wore suits. So there's suits, and then there's suits. There's uh, who else? Uh, William Powell. Yeah. W- William Powell didn't just wear any old suit. William, and also he didn't wear flashy suits. It wasn't about him being flashy. It was about him wearing what looked good on him. But he, you notice how gentlemanly he looked. Not the suit. I think it was Bo Brummel. And again, it's someone you should look up. Bo Brummel is the man that invented the modern long black or oh, dark suit, uh-huh. uh, what he called, I think, uh, stovepipe pants all the way down, or might be getting that wrong, pants down to the shoe as opposed to knee pants where everybody wore. Okay. And pastel, you know, knickers and stockings and stuff like that. He put modern man, as, I think I'll paraphrase this, when he was dying with syphilis in England, ex- or Paris, exiled from England, somebody asked him, like, 
you're you're broke and you were the top of the line. What what happened? He goes, I put modern man in a suit and white linen, and that's enough to secure my legacy. Wow. I, I know I'm absolutely ruining that quote, but he built the the suit that we still wear today, and that's a couple hundred years ago. This is awesome that you brought this up because my co-producer Sarah always offers me like, hey, I can do some research on the topic if you want, and if there's anything weird or fun, uh, I'll send it to you. And this morning, she sent me some stuff about Bo Brummel. Bo Brummel, baby. Uh, and she came up with some great quotes uh, in factoids that I'm curious what you well, thought about. Well, the reason why I brought him up, let, let me try to cut her. Yeah. S- Sarah? Yeah. Let me try to cut Sarah off at the pass. I'm assuming and hoping this is on the list. He said one of his things is that if you walk into the street and people turn and look at you and comment on your clothing, you're overdressed. Oh, really? No, we don't have that yeah, one. You, 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 you're dressed too, like, f- like firmly or to this or to that. People should look at you and go, hey, you look great. But they should never say nice hat or great suit or whatever. When you're perfectly dressed, they go, you look great. Okay, and they can't. It, it's so amazing they can't even pinpoint why. The clothing shouldn't be the statement where they focus on that. Yeah. It should simply elevate the fact that you're there. It's an expression of the person. If it's yeah. too flashy, you don't want to be all flash. Like when somebody wears a crazy hat. You're you're compelled to go. Oh, hey, nice hat. Yeah, I you, can't stop looking at that. I hat. can't not comment on the fact that you have a finch and a ping pong ball and a, and a weird ass thing on your head. Yeah. All right. Well, so re- read me off some. Uh, so this is one Brummel I like quotes. that uh, that George the Fourth spent hours watching Brummel get dressed, mm-hmm. and then it took five hours uh, for Brummel to dress with royalty watching him. Yes. So he why? He, he invented. Uh, there's a great photo when the Blitz happened and London was bombed, they blew off the front of Bo Brummel's old apartment, which he hadn't lived in in many, many, many years because he was quite dead. Yeah, from uh, syphilis in France. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, 150 years. I forget the dates. But you could see into Bo Brummel's old apartment. He invented, supposedly, the vanity that we all have in houses or women have where you, there's the chair yeah. and the table and the mirror. Suppo- they attribute that to Bo Brummel, if I'm oh, not mistaken. wow. Like, But again... He was super butch, fucked every woman. He was super hot. He, you would think that this guy was a raging queen, but he was dead like macho. Right. But he was also, again, supposedly, the reason why fox hunters wear red, they used to wear blue, I think. Okay. They used to wear a dark color. He showed up, and he wasn't royalty. He wasn't aristocracy. He came from, like, soldier class or whatever, or, like, working class. Yeah. Or middle class, but became friends with the prince, re- prince regent, and... He showed up in bright red, and people were aghast. <laughs> then the next day, everybody did. Everybody wore red, and okay. they still fucking do. Also, whatever cologne he wore, he had his own colognes made, and people were like, make me what Bo is wearing. Okay. Yeah. Now, would it have actually taken him five hours with royalty watching to put everything on, or was he just making it a long, sensual experience? His ablutions and his whole thing, like like him getting it ready, was a, a like um, a religious rite. Okay. He's just laying it all out. I don't go that far, but for me, I open up my closet. And again, I live in a two-bedroom. Like, it's not a big place. Yeah. But I have my suits and my ties. And it's, I, I'm not opulent about it. Yeah. But the, when I pick out a shirt and it's just come back from the cleaners, or let's say it's new, and you put it on, and you pick out the tie, and you pick out the suit, and everything feels right, and you go, no, not not that tie. <laughs> and you put the, the right tie on, and you put it on, and you go, oh. It's like settling into a bubble bath. It's yeah. the greatest feeling in the world. So maybe that's me being sensualist and vain. It's certainly vanity. Yeah. Uh, but Bo Brummel was the arbiter of style. Yeah. For and it still exists. He still did it. Yeah, and certainly the what you're talking about of, of living in the thing and making it an extension of you. It sounds like he certainly uh, started that idea or uh, there's a, there's popularized a quote, it. I've read this biography, uh, a, a biography of him. And there's a scene where he comes into a drawing room. It's a big royal thing, and everyone's wearing the pastels, and the guys all have the, the, the uh, you know the knickerbocker yeah. knee, knee pants on with <laughs> with the um, the pastel you know champagne colored stockings, and he's wearing what is very close to what we now call a suit. The, yeah, the dark long sleeve, long legged, and white linen at the cuff suit. Yeah, and it was a bummer. Everybody was really pissed off. And the Prince Regent says, oh, my sir, on oh, my honor. And he goes, oh, I'm glad you like it. My tailor was terrified. <laughs> Again, look up these quotes, and I'm quoting these all wrong, but read about Bo Brown because he was groovy. He, he went up to a woman. He got called out on the fucking carpet by 
the Prince Regent, and he was a soldier, and he wore these big, you know, these big gaudy outfits that the um, the horse guard or whatever whatever unit he was in, okay, which was the, the uniforms built by the Prince Regent. He was this chubby guy. Yeah. He was the baddest ass soldier, did the best parade, did everything right, called him up, and he insulted the prince. He said, I don't really like these suits. They're too busy. They're too, like, you can't really move in them. And he said, do you know who built these suits or who made these suits, sir? He goes, yes, sir, you, sir. And he goes, you, sir, are, like, impudent, sir. Called him on the carpet later that night to knock him down a rank. Yeah. And he goes up to a woman who's way above his class, who's sitting across the table, and takes her gem earrings off and puts them on the table. And the dude next to her is a rich, aristocratic hot shot yeah who has every right to shoot this guy on sight for doing that yeah but also he's not as sexy as Bo <laughs> and his name is not Bo the girls called him Bo okay and he takes him off and the, the man says what do you mean and he says never adorn perfection wow yeah all the ladies wanted him and he was a, just a big fag about clothes so now, do you think that that is an extension of him he is dressed so well that he can be himself or if he if he had to dress like a slob, would he have been able to get no, away with I that? No, th- I think he would rather die than be dressed like a slob. Okay. I, I, he, I think he was sent to planet Earth like David <laughs> Bowie was, was to change style, was, yeah. to, was, to, was to change the way we all think about dress and style. And again, dress and style is not just fashion and putting on a costume. Yeah. But Quentin Crisp says, like, like costume is everything. Like, everything is costume. Like That's an extension of who we are. Absolutely. Being yourself. But on purpose. That, that that's a now, perfect if, quote. Now, if you feel like you're a closeted suit wearer, <laughs> I would say just just press the gas pedal and start trying that out. Okay, I'm gonna find some places and some reasons to wear suits. I'm gonna tell you where to go, and I'm gonna get you a deal. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I'm thrilled about that. Oh yeah, I know. I know exactly where. Really? Yeah. Oh, Can okay. we do a commercial right now, Dustin? I mean, we don't we don't know them yet. You right now, Moods of Norway. Moods of Norway. Oh, they're fucking great. I already love it based on the title. My friend Raphael Bruno used to work at Jay Lindbergh, uh, which is this one I'm wearing right now. Okay. And these jeans I'm wearing right now. But he moved to Moods of Norway and the Norwegian suits, and they're fucking good. <laughs> the Norwegians good. are and where you to go walk, now. you'll walk right into them, and you won't look overdressed. You'll just look like, oh, shit. Did Joseph Scrimshaw just become the sexiest guy in the world? <laughs> okay. Speaking of sexiest guy in the world, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this back on you for a second. Uh, <laughs> now- I, I'm fascinated with suits as uh, uh, a corollary to women's fashion, that, this, that suits are a, an excuse for men to play and find ways to express themselves and find what's, what's perfect for them. Certainly. If you were nominated for an Oscar for something and you were going to the Oscars and you had an opportunity to, like uh, Bo Brummel, blow people's minds with like that next step, that next evolution, what kind of crazy suit might you wear to change the game. Like, and we can break it down piece by piece if we need to. First off, best question ever. <laughs> because it makes my mind real with happiness. <laughs> because that's like giving me acid. <laughs> Suit acid. <laughs> <laughs> the first answer is it wouldn't be crazy. Okay. It wouldn't be like ornate and off the deep end and like the kind of things that they wear on the runway where, like, this is never clothes that people will wear. It's just stuff to catch your eye. Right. It would be a proper suit that you could wear anywhere else. Okay. What it would be would be the best suit for me and it would be made by Vivian Westwood because she's still alive and she's still the greatest suit maker in the world. This is a human, not just a store. This is a woman who um, is responsible for meeting Malcolm McLaren and then that gives us uh, Johnny Rotten and the Sex Pistols and her shop Sex and then she had another shop World's End, I think. She still has a store in London. There's one in Los Angeles now. Yeah. And she makes the greatest men's suits in the world. Now, some of her stuff is so flashy, I would never wear it. But her her real, just straight-up, traditional British suit style, you know that she knows who Bo Bremel is and also stands on the shoulders of everybody that was great. Okay. But Vivian makes suits for all of our great rock and rollers. If you look back to the 60s and 70s, not 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Vivian made suits for everybody cool. She took a tank like a badass, full-on, whatever the British version of the A1 Abrams tank, painted white, rolled up to Cameron's, the ex-prime minister's okay. house. In a in, tank. In a tank with the press corps alongside, standing out of the turret <laughs> like George C. Scott and Patton. He never stood in a tank, did he? But imagine George C. Scott, but it's, yeah. instead it's a 
very elderly stylist woman named Vivian Westwood. And she's is she British herself? Oh fuck yeah. Super British. Okay. Yeah. Vivian is the best around. <laughs> I'm going to be wearing Vivian Westwood to go see Nick Cave tonight. She rolls up in a tank to protest fracking. <laughs> and the only reason that she wasn't blown out of the fucking road by British uh, Air Force or whatever, the RAF, yeah. is because she's Vivian fucking Westwood. Right. Again, if you're listening, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you know who all these people are, but if you don't, please just go down a rabbit hole and find out how badass Vivian Westwood is. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a Google addict's paradise, this podcast. Me and my girlfriend, well, I have a new girlfriend over a couple months, three months. I got a call from Vivian Westwood. I got an email. Herself. Well, no, she, she, she doesn't know I, know I exist. <laughs> yes. However, once in a while, there'll be a suit that comes to L.A. They go, Jeff, we have one size 54, which is the English sizing. One suit in this style, do you want it? The answer is yes. No, regardless of anything. Because it's artifact. Because yeah. it's, it's like a museum piece. And also, they don't fucking fall apart. Yeah. They're the best. So I got called up. Well, two days ago, there's a Vivian Westwood store cocktail party, which I get to go to. But only because three or four or five weeks ago, they called me up and said, we're having this giant sale. Get here right now. I got called in person by the dude that runs the store. Yeah. And I got down there. It was 70% off. And I was going to go get my girlfriend a gift because the women's stuff is even better. Right. And you and you do have like opinions and tastes about women's stuff as oh, well. Oh, certainly. But it's very hard to buy for women because they know what they like. Yeah. If they don't know what they like, you got to bring them into the store. If they know what they like, maybe you would know what to get them as a gift. Yeah. But at 70% off, I called my girlfriend up and was like, I was going to sneak attack her with a couple things. I said, you have to get down here. She absolutely beat the store down. And we left there for nothing. And we got the, she got like four dresses, two bags, a wallet, shoes, stuff. Didn't cost a thing. Compared, like It cost yeah. as much as what one of my suits were to cost full price. Because of the discounts. Yeah, because it was badass. Now, we can't all go to Vivian Westwood. I, I can't go to Vivian Westwood full price and do what I would like to do. Yeah. I love that they call me up when it's 70 off <laughs> because that's like going to Banana Republic. But if I had my way, like to answer your question from 40 years ago, if I was walking down the red carpet yeah. at, at the Oscars, it would be I would call Vivian up and say, make me something that suits me. Okay. So she would make something. And then if she said to you, now, I understand that you understand suits. They are an expression. Mm -hmm. And this is the Oscars. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to do like a, you know, like a butt cleavage window or anything like weird like that. Right. But you have to do a little something that's you. If Vivian Westwood herself said, I will only make you this suit if you give me one slightly different. I would let her pick the tie and the shoes because she has some really weird shoes and ties. Okay. I would still want to look like, from middle distance, William Powell. Okay. Or Marcello Mastriani. But if you got close and you looked, they go, okay, those shoes are crazy. <laughs> because when I, I, I got it, I was in London not too long ago, and there was a, I went to the Vivian Westwood store, which is on Savile Row, which is the old historical place where all the great suit makers were. Yeah. I think there's still some places, but Vivian's store is on Savile Row. And I went in there, and it's these three, I'm six foot four, just shy of six foot four. These guys, just as tall as me and one taller, these giant, skinny, wraith-like queens wearing all Vivian stuff. But it's so transgender. It's so cool. Yeah. They look fucking amazing. They're, it's just Vivian puts men that can wear that stuff in the greatest stuff in the world. Yeah. She puts women in stuff that's really mannish, but it's the most feminine thing in the world. Yeah. But they look, it, it's really transy and groovy. And like the, the sexuality comes from how you wear like what your eyeballs say while you're wearing this okay. stuff. <laughs> so I, I I saw this suit that I got, and it's a goodie. And I put it on, and I'm like, okay, taking this, give me that shirt. Now we got to pick ties. And they kept giving me these crazy-ass ties and these crazy-ass shoes. I'm like, What's but, to you, What to you is a crazy tie? Is it just like busy? Too flashy. Too, too flashy. flashy. Okay, right. Like I don't want the tie to do all the talking, but like if you're – if you're Peaches, the singer, like she gets to wear crazy shit. Yeah. If you're Bowie, Bowie gets to decide. I don't think I'm a innovator. I'm more of like a redeemer, like bring things back to the old days. Okay. I like to kind of keep things classical and simple. But when I wear one of my Vivian suits, people say, you look great. Also, where did you get that fucking suit? Okay, so that's what you'd want to hear on the way to the Oscars. All I, all I want to hear is, where did you get it? And all my answer is, I want to say... Dustin, can we do a commercial for Vivian Westwood so I get five <laughs> free Vivian Westwood suits? 
Fuck, fuck moods of Norway. <laughs> Hi, this is Sarah Meyer, the co-producer of this podcast. And today I'm out in Santa Monica, stopping random passersby and asking them to talk to me about suits. Do you ever wear fancy suits? Every now and then. Mm-hmm. Do you feel comfortable in a suit? Absolutely. Do you look good in a suit? Of course. Yeah. People tell you that? Yes. People would stop you on the street and say, oh my God. I don't know if they'd stop me on the street, but they might give me some looks. Is that true? Does he look good in a suit? Yes, he does. Same with me. Do you wear fancy suits? Occasionally. Yes, most of the time when I need to go outside. I really like fancy suits. Never. In your life, have you ever worn a fancy suit? If I was in drag. The suit would be just pink, like with, like, melon overtones. Do you think people who wear suits are more confident? It's not the suit that makes you confident. But again, it all starts between the ears. doesn't matter what you're wearing. The things you wear will make you feel better about yourself. But still, you can walk around naked and still be confident. That's actually true. I just totally agree with that. Uh, do you know who Vivian Westwood is? Who? No. You guess based on the name? Westwood. Um, singer? If you saw a bear, would you be more or less afraid of it if it was wearing a suit? Uh, neither. I wouldn't be more or less afraid of it. Um, probably still afraid. God, that's scary. Oh boy, I would be very friendly toward it. I think a little bit of scared. What if it attacked you? Could you take it? Probably yes. You know, because I th- I don't think he want he want to you know get damaged his fancy suit. So if you had to wear one outfit for the rest of your life, just one outfit, what would you pick? Shorts and t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like pants, so. Oh my God. Um. Maybe a three-piece suit. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of comfortable. Yeah. I look really good on suits. Do other people tell you that too? Yeah. Polar bear costumes. Yeah, polar bear. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. I love it. Do you think about suits every day? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, like, even in your if you're in a place where you can't wear them, you're still thinking about if you're going to get a call from Vivian Westwood or... If I'm wearing, if I'm wearing one, I'm thinking about is someone going to spill something on me. If I'm not wearing one, I'm like... Why am I not wearing one? Right. You always want to be one. There's not a moment of the day where I'm not considering I should be better dressed. Even when you have a suit on? If I have a great suit on, I'm just bathing in the knowledge that I feel like I'm perfectly dressed. It really is like when you're perfectly well-dressed, and somebody try to paraphrase and Google this quote, there's a feeling of comfort when the knowledge that you're perfectly dressed. Yeah. Not to be flashy and not to be a show-off when you know that what you've got on is just you. And can you sit in that enjoyment without worrying about the next suit? Psychologically, are you the kind of person who can enjoy the moment and not worry about the next time? Like, If I'm wearing my favorite thing at the moment, I don't think about the next suit. But okay. if I'm wearing my second favorite, I might think, oh, I'm a... <laughs> like I could have had that one. I could do a little better. Okay. Oh, yeah, always. Have you ever had a stress dream about suits? Every fucking night. <laughs> Every night I have I have a mild anxiety dream about packing luggage. I had one last night. Really? There's a, there's a portion of every dream where it's a mild anxiety dream about packing a suitcase and where are my suits. Right. Always. And, oh, shit, I didn't bring the shoes or the shirt or the, where's the belt or where's the thing. And it's just I'm late for the plane. I'm late for the yeah. bus. And I don't have the right gear. No, are you? I, the... I, I had a crazy anxiety dream. I, I tweeted this not that long ago. I actually had a nightmare dream where you know you dream where you're naked on stage. Yeah. My dream was I was backstage with Robbie Falks, who's a friend of mine, who's a singer, and I think Greg Proops, and then somebody else who I can't remember, like some other like famous either comedian or actor or actress. And I was wearing gym clothes. And I was having a nervous breakdown because everyone's looking at me like, Jeff, you normally wear suits. Something's wrong, dude. And I was like, I can go get one. Like, no, you're on. You, you have c- to go. Y- like you, that. Don't, you don't have time. Okay. So are you just the most straightforward dreamer ever in that you are just literally dreaming of you are literally frightened of that? Or is that standing for anything else when you're getting to you know Oklahoma and you don't have a suit? Does that mean anything I, other than I don't have a suit in Oklahoma? My, my anxiety dreams are I'm always late for something or, or, or keeping people waiting, okay. which I think is my feeling that I've missed something okay, or that I might be missing something by my own laziness. Interesting. So maybe my love of being overly dressed is an apology for, the, for my own 
sloppiness. Suits are, uh, to me, about like a sharpness and a precision on some level. So mm-hmm. that makes sense if it is a deeper psychological thing, if I, I am searching for sharpness and precision. I think the suit is a, a suit of armor. It's a way to keep people away. Yeah. Because people don't fuck with you as much when you're wearing a suit as they might when you're wearing a T-shirt and sandals. Interesting. So I, it, part of it is a way to keep the world at arm's length. And if I have my way, three arm's length. So when you're wearing a suit and you're just absolutely being yourself, a part of that statement is, I'm telling you who I am. I don't want you to ask. I've my, already made my statement. Stay for, a few steps back. It says, my my joke about myself is, hey, everybody, ding, 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 everybody in the room. <laughs> Can I have everybody's attention? Leave me alone. <laughs> That's great. That's how I've always been like that. Okay. So the dreams are maybe a little deeper. Is the my my dreams? That, that's only a portion of every dream. The dreams go deeper into other psychological shit. But there's okay. always a moment where, oh shit, am I late to pack a bag because the show is on? Or five minutes, Mr. Davis? Or did you learn your lines? Like it's, it's all okay. the performance shit. Performance stuff. But okay. it, it's always about clothes, hair. Okay. Like vanity. Yeah. All vanity. Understandable. Next question is: Could you put a child through college with the amount you've spent on suits? Oh, fucking yeah. <laughs> Name your college. I can put my dry cleaner through. Uh, I, I, I can put a child through college on, on the money I spent at my dry cleaner. Okay, so you have you have yelled your dry cleaner. I should be on the board of fucking directors. <laughs> the good okay. news about my dry cleaners is I can walk in there and they know my number by heart and everything's the next day if I want it. Okay. I don't have to wait in line. So you've got a relationship. Are there fancy dry cleaners? Like, is there the Vivian Westwood of dry cleaners? Like, name brand? Like, that Mr. Dry Cleaner, there, he's the, the best out there. There's loads of dry cleaners that are fancy, and you can take stuff there. But the best tailors, like, if you go to Rodeo Drive and get a suit from Dolce & Gabbana. Yeah. Or when I was in um, in London and got my suit from Vivian, the tailor they send you to to hem the pants is some little hole in the wall. Okay. Cash only. You don't go to the big place where all the pictures are on the wall. All right. You find the Moroccan dude or, or the old Ukrainian Jew or the, or the old lady that lives in a corner. Like, find your tailor that cuts your stuff up right. Right. Okay, cool. The craftspeople who know what they're doing. Certainly. Awesome. Uh, I haven't asked this question in a long time. This is a, a weird how obsessed are you question. 17 inches. <laughs> Close. Okay. Would you get distracted from having sexual intercourse if you saw someone walk by wearing an amazing suit? Would it disrupt the lovemaking if you saw the most amazing suit? Okay, now set the scenario up for me. I'm making love in a place where somebody was walking by. Right. Uh, so <laughs> that's the logic problem of this, but it's a <laughs> right. it's a fun one to solve. Okay. So, yeah. So let's let's say I'm in a like in the back of a car. Yes. Or if it's a good suit, let's make it a bigger car. Back yeah. of a limousine. You're in the back of a limousine. This is after the Oscars. And I'm and I'm having sex in the back of a limousine. Yes. No, let's not make it the Oscars because everyone's going to be in a tuxedo. Right. And that, that's going to be too uniform. Yeah, so, well, it's after the Oscars, but you've gone far away from the Ritz. Okay. You're so parked out in the boonies. We're by the drawing room. Yeah. And I'm in the back of a limo, and I'm having sex with my girlfriend in my favorite suit. So, or maybe my favorite suit is off. Yeah, at least part of it, one would hope. Yeah, because Vivian, you know. And a guy walks by in a better suit. Yeah. Well, not necessarily the better, but just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Would I be distracted? Well, would I notice it, or would I? Would that give me? Would, would you would, pause I, in the love making? Would my boner shrink if I looked at it? Yeah, not, well, you you can answer it that oh. way. But would you stop? Would you oh. say like, "Honey, give me a second. No, here's what I would I say. I need to appreciate something. Uh, if if we were having sex and the guy's suit was so noteworthy, because the, the, my girlfriend is so styly too. Yeah, I would look and go, "Look at this guy's suit," <laughs> and then we would keep. We would probably both get hornier. Okay, it would be an encouragement. I think it would. If it's worth noting, I would note it. Okay. I would even say it out loud. You would say it out loud. Okay, great. That seems like a good answer. <laughs> uh, would you wrestle a room full of bears to get a new suit? Would I wrestle a room full of bears to get a new suit? Yeah. Like just me versus bears? Yeah. No, that's stupid. <laughs> you can't wear a suit if you're dead. I can't get this question right. Okay. Who has ever said they would, and what what was the obsession? So here's it, it's been many obsessions. Uh, so I I was ref, I was phrasing it as would you wrestle a small bear, and everyone said, oh that's cute. That's I would like to do that regardless. <laughs> right. I'd love to wrestle a small bear. Okay. So then I made it a room full of I, bears. Right. And now it's just insanity. Had, but has anybody said I would absolutely risk my own life and limb, so I could. Look at my my father's friend's photos of his daughter. Uh, no, uh, they get <laughs> they get trapped by the wording of wrestle with a small bear, and in their mind it becomes, would you hug a cute little bear? Would you hug Winnie the Pooh? 
and you are, of course, interpreting it no, as I'm saying, I will be mauled by an actual predator. Has anybody said they would to the room full of bears? No. Okay. So I'm not the only crazy person. No, no, you're, and you're not crazy. I think that's a very rational okay, answer. So you would not, uh, you not wrestle. I, I, I wanted to find out that somebody said I would fucking like Dan Harmon would wrestle a room <laughs> full of bears to get to a redhead with mannequin legs. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I will ask him that exact question. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. No, no nobody would. I got to keep working on this, I think, this question. I this think, one's not quite right I yet. I think if you gave him one middle-aged bear. One middle so a slower or bear. Adolescent bear. An adolescent bear. Like one, would you... So not a bear trained in combat How about yet. this? How about this? Set, set up a scenario where there's a circular room. In the middle of the room is a thing that's the obsession. Yeah. On the other end of the room is a bear. Oh, so going to get it, there's a risk. Yeah. And you're on the other side of that room, like equidistant from that, like along the diameter. Okay. And you're both released at the same time. Would you risk going to get that thing that's 25 feet away? Okay, so this is now a math word problem. I'm if saying you like, and a bear are 15 <laughs> feet away from your obsession. Like, would you risk being in a room with a live bear to go g- retrieve the thing that you okay, love yeah, or let's, touch it or obtain it? Yeah, okay, how about that? You open the door to Vivian Westwood yeah. store. Yes. There, You can't see any employees. There's just a large bear. Mm-hmm. But you could take any suit you wanted. Would you try to dodge around the bear to get a I'll, suit? Oh, fuck. I'll get that suit. <laughs> I'm, I'm faster than any bear. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I got the answer I wanted, ultimately. Um, this is the final How Obsessed question, are you? It's, uh, it's a weird one as well. If you couldn't wear suits without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still wear suits? I'll take the punch in the crotch, and I'll wear those suits. Yeah. When you would take it daily, wouldn't you? Daily? Would you, if you had oh, to? Oh, no, no, not, not daily. daily. Is it, did you say daily to start I off? didn't say daily. You said just take a punch. But you would seem so down with it that it seemed like no, maybe... No, no, my nuts are still precious. The only reason you wear suits is to still fuck people. <laughs> Your nuts are still going to be precious. Suits are okay. a, a gateway to nut access. Okay. Yes. If it was a strange metaphysical thing where a, a demonic uh, a creature appeared, and punched the air, and you simply had the sensation. So it wasn't actually causing damage to your testicles, but it was causing the same amount of pain. And the pain lasting how long, do we say? A minute? Uh, two minutes? Yeah, a minute at most. A minute of phantom pain? Yeah. To get access to any suit I wanted? Yeah. Fucking, I'll double down. This is a dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. That was a softie. <laughs> I mean, no, you're gonna, you, what you're asking is, would I take actual physical damage to wear something that is simply superficial, the answer is no. Yeah. Never. Um, and again, that's where vanity comes in. Like, like I still would rather not be mutilated. The suit is, like as Bill Nye, he says, like, why do you wear these suits? Like, wh- why, do, why don't you ever unbutton your shirt? He's like, I'm ashamed of my body. Like, I, I, I like this suit because it makes me look good. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. Like, I'm not totally ashamed of my body, but I feel like I look good in suits. But... The, the the whole point is being naked and looking not like your nuts have been mashed to a jam. <laughs> Fair enough. So you would say that suits then are, if they're an expression of yourself, but there is an element of vanity, they're an expression of the best you could possibly be? Mm-hmm. So like the, are they an expression of the best version of yourself? They are an extension, yeah. But I think style is a, a, an extension of self-image. Okay. And... For everybody, it's not clothes. It could simply be... Quentin Crisp tells a story in one of his books. There was a homeless woman in England, London maybe, that lived in a trunk. And she was this fancy old lady that lived in a giant steamer trunk on the side of the road. And she lived by the art school, I think, and kids would knock on the thing. And yeah. and she would open the... Slightly open, her hand would come out of the trunk door. And she would receive whatever you know, coin they would give her. Yeah. And she would take it. And it was kind of a cool thing to do if you were a hipster, you know, like yeah. art, art student kid. His definition of style was this. One time he saw somebody knock on on that door and she said, not now. I'm not receiving guests. <laughs> like you can have style and be homeless in a yeah. trunk. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with suits? Ooh. <laughs> That is the noise you're making in a limousine, right? When, you... <laughs> <laughs> when I'm watching a guy in a better suit walk by. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I've been rating people's obsessions. So the highest number is seven, which is just arbitrary because I like the number seven. Seven being what? Seven being the highest, like, the they, most obsessed you like can be. They should be in Guantanamo Bay. Like, yeah, maybe it's disrupting your life. 
Like seven yeah. is like eh, I think unless unless you, you can really find a way to like if somebody you was should super seek obsessed professional with, help. Yeah, like if you were obsessed with like you know helping starving children and you were seven, I wouldn't be like you have a problem. <laughs> but you know if it's disrupting something. Right. Uh, One being you you shouldn't have been on my podcast in the first place. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I've never had to come to that yet. But what's the lowest rating you've given somebody so far? I think maybe like a three point. Five and sometimes when I do live shows, I just get people to talk about a topic from a lot of perspectives. We'll have one super obsessed person and one person like, yeah, I kind of like that thing, whatever. Right. Um, but I don't think on like a one on one. I don't think I've gone. I might have gone four, but that's about as low mm-hmm. as I'll go. I'm uh, gonna guess what you think it is, but I'm not gonna say it. But I, w- I want to hear what you say. Okay. I am going to say, and I like to give it a little flavor, so uh, I'll say ties. So out of seven ties. I, I think you're six ties obsessed. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna say five point five. Five point five. All right. S- six ties. I went. I went all the way to six. I would like six more ties. <laughs> you, so you, what number do you think it is? Do you do you think six is too high? No, I, I I think that I think six is probably right. But I was gonna say maybe that you I would fall lower on the spectrum because maybe you've had like a, like a higher top end of that. No, I think I think part of it comes down to also functionally how can people express the obsession. And you have it so integrated into your life as a human, as a performer, as your psychology of how you see identity in general and also how you see your own identity. Mm-hmm. Like even if you couldn't wear suits, I don't think we ever got around to really figuring out the answer of if everybody started wearing suits, what you'd wear instead. But you would wear something else and it would still keep the place of the suits. If, I, if, if everybody wore suits, I would still wear suits. I would actually be happier in a world where people still dressed up. I okay. wish I wish that on a Friday night that you go out and see women. I mean, women do make efforts. Yeah. Maybe not in L.A. as much as they might. But you go to New York or London or other places, Chicago even. You go to certain places and women dress up and they and they try. And guys just dress like nothing. And maybe that's because they don't feel that they can afford it. But I think more than anything, they feel like they shouldn't. I agree and, with and, that. And they feel like they would be mocked if they tried. Yeah. And I wish that weren't the case. I, I, I don't want the whole world to go back to the 1930s where every guy had a hat and you had to take it off and put it on the bar when a woman walked in and all that crazy etiquette stuff. Yeah. But I do like I, I do think that the world is sexier when people know what they look good in. Yeah, instead and of I just... Think, I think we've all given up on that. You know, I do shows in Las Vegas and it's a Saturday night and people are wearing sandals and <laughs> taking their <laughs> sandals off and putting it up on the... <laughs> slot machine and it's like what the fuck are you doing you can actually hear Sinatra weeping into his Jack Daniels yeah yeah oh my god you can you can hear Jack Daniels weeping <laughs> into Sinatra's coffin <laughs> I, I don't want the whole world to be fancy I, I just wish that I, I think that we are we've we've gone away from the idea that a little bit of effort is not just vanity and it's not just sexy or fashionable or trendy it's respectful it's precision. It's it's taking uh, it's taking some time to say who do I want to uh, show the world that I am at these specific points in time and place. Yeah, and not to be like heteronormative about it, but I'm a straight male, and like if I take a girl out, like I I understand the fact that like you know even when I was flat broke, makeup is expensive. Yeah, and what women do to get out of the building costs a lot of money. Yeah, and buy her a drink. Get the dinner because you didn't fucking put anything on. <laughs> you wore your same jeans and the same shirt that you wore for the last three days. And it's like, like make an effort. And also, like, when you take somebody out, like, really, I'm, I'm not demanding, Joseph, that next time I see you, you wear a suit. Yeah. But you would kick ass in a suit. And also, I know that you would feel more relaxed in one. I like being in a suit, especially for shows, because mm-hmm. I feel like uh, oh, there's this level on... of precision. I like being precise as a performer, and I don't think it's always popular in entertainment right now. So I like wearing a suit because it makes me feel precise. On stage, I, I'm old school about it. Dress up. You're funnier the better dressed you are. I think so. You're not funny in the plaid shirt, untucked, and the, and the shit jeans, and, the, and, and your Reeboks or whatever. Comedy's always funnier dressed up. Like Martin and Lewis, tuxedos, yeah. suits, and shit like that. Yeah. But then I remember the first time I ever saw Paul F. Tompkins, he had this rumpled, ill-fitting crap suit that came out of a suitcase when he had just moved to L.A. Yeah. And he was funny as hell, but his suit was ill-fitting. Now look at Paul F. Tompkins. Is Paul oh, F. Tompkins yes. funnier because of the suit? No. Is Paul F. Tompkins better because Paul F. Tompkins has become a, a solidified thing? Yes. That he wears these badass specific suits and a trimmed mustache and he looks fucking great. Yeah. He's still the same guy he always was. He's just better now. 
Yeah, he's just broadcasting it oh, yeah. a little bit yeah. through his clothing. Uh, he's a great metaphor for that because when I see him, also, like I met Paul Feig, the director of Ghostbusters and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. The only reason I know Paul Feig is because he is known as being the other guy that wears better suits than me and Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> oh, so it's the uh, if I could go clothes shopping with you three, I know I know Paul uh, Paul F. Tompkins he gets a little all, bit, but oh, can I tell you? Do we have Feig. time for one thing? Sure. I, when I did the show in London, I got to meet. Oh, I met Paul Feig once in L.A. In London, I got to meet him. Laurie Feig, his wife, invited me to go meet them at a. They were doing a Ghostbusters tour, like press okay. tour. We met at a bar, at. Is it James's the James Hotel? We get there. It's tiny. I texted them saying, I'm here early. Like, we're going to be late. Just go in there and say you're here with us. I walk in, and the bartender's a bald guy with a drink cart. It's ti- <laughs> It's as big as his booth. It's tiny. Okay. The whole place. There's a picture of Sean Connery there. I said, hey, I'm, meet- I'm, I'm here to have a drink. And he's like, who are you with? I said, oh, I'm meeting some friends. Who are they? Are they guests? I go, yes, it's Paul Feig. And he goes, he's not a guest. He's a friend. Sit right over here. <laughs> you don't go to the bar. They come to your table with a cart, and they ask you what you want, and they make it at your table. Wow. But supposedly, that's where uh, Shaken Not Stirred, Ian Fleming, all that shit comes from. Oh, really? From that place? And Paul Feig comes out of the rain. Because he got caught in the rain, and he comes in. He's not wearing a suit jacket, and he's the most fastidious, yeah. just tidy, fucking natty dude you've ever met. He's got just his shirt on and his tie, and he's all bummed out. And he's been doing press all day long. He had his suit sent downstairs to go dry. They, they were going to dry his jacket yeah. for him. And he's like, I'm not comfortable until that jacket comes back. And, we, and then we sat down, and he and I queened out on clothes. <laughs> we didn't talk to his wife or anybody else in the party. We just talked about suits. We just talked about clothes. Excellent. <laughs> uh, I got just a couple more bits of business real quick. Uh, I always have guests plug themselves. Uh, do you have any anything you want to plug uh, where people can find you on social media? Yeah, we always Harmontown.com. Uh, Harmontown, our, our live podcast, live streamed. Uh, I'm going on tour with Who's Live Anyway. L-I-V-E. You can go to whoslifeanyway.com. We're doing a bunch of tours, uh, shows right now around North America. And I think that's it for now. Cool, cool. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also follow, follow Molly Lewis, the awesome musician who wrote and performed our theme music, is at Molly23. So I always close the podcast with a couple of questions that don't have anything to do with the main topic. They can if you want. They're just kind of weird questions. Lay a mommy. If you could do an improv scene with any president, living or dead, who would you want to do improv with? <laughs> Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Just, do you think he'd be the biggest challenge? I think he'd be dominant. He'd be real uptight. I, I, I don't like when I have to drive. I like when I can play second banana. I think I think he would, you know, he would storm, you know, he, he'd be at the Battle of New Orleans. Yeah, he'd make a lot of declarations, and you just have to agree with uh, Andrew and also, Jackson, he'd, right? He'd have better hair than I. Also, he'd have a better suit. <laughs> and then after the show, I'd be fucking my girlfriend in a limousine, and Andrew would walk by, and I'm like, God damn that guy. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Uh, next question is, if someone made a rock opera about your life, what might it be called? Knight and Davis. <laughs> Have you thought of that previously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? What is happiness? Oh, shit. Happiness? Okay. This is, no, that's too stupid. <laughs> When I was 21, I would have said the three Bs, booths, booze, and boobs, but that's too sexist <laughs> and too shitty. I would say dim lights, a nice booth, someone you love, and a great cocktail. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you so much for doing this. All right. That uh, is our podcast. I love you, Joseph. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Look, the musical Hamilton is really, really, really good, but before you call it the best musical of all time, please wait and see the one-man musical I'm writing for Jeff B. Davis called I'm Bo Brummel, motherfuckers! Exclamation point.